Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. Sermon notes are available and they are linked in the podcast notes. This week, we continue our sermon series called Rethinking Christmas Hymns. This week, we look at O Come All Ye Faithful, and we explore the theme of being drawn into spirituality and orienting our journey towards Christ as we explore the hymn and the story of John the Baptist. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube channel, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe or follow this podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you're feeling really generous, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review that helps us to grow our audience. Lastly, find us on our Facebook and Instagram pages to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share one with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong on his sandals. He will baptize you with, within, with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his thrashing floor, excuse me, and to gather the wheat into his granary but the shafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would continue on this journey of Advent, growing closer to you 
and closer to your Son, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I might uh, take out your sermon notes page there as we get our time started this morning. Uh, You see, you do not have the full scripture in front of you. Uh, I I was never really certain where to start this scripture when when it came to reading, but I had to cut some in order, um, you know, I I left y'all a little bit of white room, but there's a lot of notes with this sermon. And so as we dive in today, to those who may be familiar with the Christmas hymn, O Come, All Ye Faithful. O come, all ye faithful, a long-treasured hymn that calls us to the manger. It calls us to be in the presence of Christ. And as we enter this second Sunday of Advent, we become ourselves entrenched in this journey, right? We, we began this journey last week as we celebrated the first Sunday of Advent, and we looked with hope at the journey that was before us, right? We, we're, not, we're not just jumping straight to the end as much as we want to, as much as we desire to, but friends, we're existing in the here and now, and we're beginning and we're starting this journey. And so here, as we come into the second week, moving closer to the manger and in that nature, focus on what we do to make it there. And just like the wise men who followed the star, we too have a journey to follow as we embark to encounter Emmanuel, God with us. And this hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, invites us along this journey and yes, it's, it, when, we, when we read the words of this hymn, we probably read into it a little impatience, right? I mean, we're saying, oh, come, uh, oh, come, let us adore him three times, right? We're, we're like, come, let us adore him, right? Now we can almost imagine ourselves just crying like, just let us get to the manger already, God. And yet within it is a focus on the sense of where we are going, a focus on the destination, And as we talked about last week, living in that here and now and not yet understanding of living as Christ's disciples. So here we go. Before we jump in, I want to I want to talk about Oh Come All Ye Faithful a little bit. I described this as our our, this is our trivia time. If you're if you're ever in a Christian hymn trivia, feel free to use these little factoids to help get you that win, to help get you that that $100 gift card that usually is at the, the winning of a trivia contest. I don't, I don't know. That's kind of what I've seen. All right, so, oh, come all ye faithful. It was believed to have been written around 1743. Now, there's some dispute as to when it was actually written, but the first signed copy of O Come All Ye Faithful comes and originates in 1743 from a man named John Francis Wade. And he wrote it in the, in the Latin, what is known as the Latin Vulgate. That is the language of the sacred. And this probably is familiar to many of us. Many of us may also know this hymn, not necessarily just as O Come All Ye Faithful, but as Adeste Fideles. Um, and, and I told the early service, I've gotten more work out of my Latin classes from college than I ever thought I would um, after I almost failed out. So um, good to know that I'm using my college degree for, for the good of humanity. And so John Francis Wade is believed to have written or discovered or penned or, or however you want to consider this in seven, 1743. And Wade was an English Catholic. And Wade was an English Catholic, but he was living exiled in France 
at the time when he wrote it because of the religious discrimination in England that existed and that led to what is known as the Jacobite Revolution. And the interesting thing that we have in this text is that a lot of the stuff within the Latin are sort of these hidden and coded messages that, that point to this Jacobite revolution, this, this religious revolution that is happening in England in the 17, like the early 17 to mid 1700s. But here's the interesting thing, is that a hymn that starts out as both a call and reflection on the nature of Christmas and a coded message to Wade's uh, Jacobite enthusiasts in England becomes for us in, its, in, a, in our modern translation to really begin to point home into that nature of journeying and going and moving towards that manger of Christ. And so the most common translation that we have today, it was, came about in about 1841 by a man named Frederick Oakley. So again, I think I put all this in your notes. So you don't have to just, again, take it with you on your next trivia night and just wow. You know, have this with you at Christmas dinner. Just wow all your friends with the amazing amount of music trivia that you know. But the tune... Or, or sorry, the, the translation that comes into the English written by Frederick Oakley really begins to hit on this point of the journey we take in this time of year. And it re really begins to predicate the nature of where this journey points us towards. And so it has this rich depth of theological connection, not just to the celebration of Christmas, but to the journey we take in Advent. And so as I'm preparing this, this series, I'm trying to find hymns that both kind of help us in our Advent journey, but also give us that little fill of Christmas. How many else of you are like Christmas carols in the car all the time, 24-7? Um, I've completely neglect, neglected my friends and family just to listen to Christmas songs. And so when we revisit this text, when we revisit this contemporary, when we revisit this traditional hymn in a contemporary understanding, I believe that when we look at it, we hear the call of John the Baptist. Not the call of what, of what John heard, but the call of what John is calling his listeners to do. Why? Because John the Baptist points the way to Christ. And at some point in time in our journey, at some point in time in this Advent journey, we have to make sure that we're going the right way, right? In any journey, we have to make sure that we're going the right way. At some point in time, I have to stop and ask for directions. Actually, more likely in my car, I have to stop and actually turn on my GPS. At some point in time, we have to know where we are going. Because if we don't know where we're going, then how can we ever expect to get there? And so not only do we approach this journey of Advent with the holy anticipation that builds within us, that moves us towards this holy day, but friends, we have to make sure that we are oriented and we know where we are going. Where are we journeying to? And enters this character, this narrative in the Gospel of Luke, John, shows us where we are going. 
Now, this, this passage happens in Luke chapter 3, and so, uh, we, 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 but we often read it in Advent, but it is not lost on us that John and Jesus are only like a handful of months apart in age. So like, this actually happens while Jesus is a young adult. Um, he would probably be in his late 20s. He might be 30, depending on what timeline, narrative, biblical scholar you read on a Tuesday. Um, but John is paving the way for Jesus' ministry, and in so doing, paves the way for us as we begin to understand the, the, the Savior that we are about to encounter, as we begin to look towards the God who is with us. And so it invites us in this Advent spirit to move toward the birth of Christ as we move ourselves towards the Spirit of Christ. And so where are we going? Quite simply, we are journeying towards Christ. Right, and if we think about it, in a more literal sense of Advent to Christmas, we are journeying to that point of the manger, to that point of the stable, to that point of the birth of a little baby. That's where we're moving towards. But you see, to move towards that has implications on who we are called to be. And we hear those words in this hymn, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. This hymn and this nature calling us to Christ in faith. And when we consider it in light of our Advent discussion, it, un, it helps us to understand how we orient ourselves on this journey. Friends, where are we going? And you see, for us, it's, I'm not, for John, it's not as much to name where we are going, but it's to actually make sure that we are headed in the right direction. Because I can say that I'm going to visit my in-laws in Ashland, and there are about 50 different ways to get there. And as I'm driving, it feels like every single one of them are wrong because they all end up in traffic somehow. And just like the hymn, O Come, o Come All Ye Faithful, John is inviting persons to encounter who Christ is. And he does so by offering them the waters of baptism and then telling them of the one who is coming, the one who is more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John is saying, there is a man who is coming who will do wonderful and amazing things. And you know what? I'm here. I'm baptizing you. I'm cleansing you with water. He is going to baptize you with the Spirit. And so in that, John reveals this nature and invite folks to come to him to help to orient them on this journey. And he does so with this sacred and holy act that we have carried into our contemporary Christian practice of baptism. Right? And he brings in this understanding of cleansing water. Water is cleansing. And our modern sacramental understanding, water offers a spiritual significance of cleansing. We are made clean as a manner of approaching God. And we are baptized by water and the Spirit to be both cleansed and blessed. The water offers to us the journey. And John offers to his listeners a process that we hold on to even today. Not just a point of navigation, but how we get there. And so John is calling his listeners to a couple of things when he uh, preaches this, this sermon that is in front of us today. 
He is calling his listeners to a process of repentance and even a step further into a process of reconciliation. And as we look, it is no secret that Jesus spends much of his ministry, much of his preaching, much of his discipleship, much of everything that he does preaching to this disconnect between belief and how one shows or lives their beliefs. And the narrative begins right here as John preaches to this crowd. And friends, John does it not as nicely as Jesus. Because as we read here, and we look at starting there in verse 7, we hear John begin to chastise his listeners. Not as a collective of individuals, but as a collective society that clearly has failed in their job of listening to and being directed by God. And we read that John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized, you brood of vipers. Like friends, imagine if I said that here. Like imagine if I called you a brood of vipers. I wonder how busy Jason Bartholomew's phone would be. Actually, just SPRC members, raise their hands. Um, go and complain to, no, I'm kidding, do not. I did not call you a brood of vipers. I promise you, these are John's words. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And then he goes on to say, Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones, I'm guessing he was preaching them like a field with stones in front of him, to raise up children to Abraham. And then he goes on and he begins to tell them and give them examples. Right? What then should we do? That question is asked three times in this verse. All to help to understand the nature and orientation of their repentance and reconciliation. And so John is calling his hearers to consider as a collective whole how their acts of perceived faith have actually inhibited the nature of God's desire for creation. And how they are called to reorient, to turn themselves. In the Greek, the word for repent is metanoia. And the literal translation is not repent. That's a word that we have created in English to help to convey it. The literal translation of metanoia is to turn. This is not as fun as it was at 9.30. I have a wall. No. Hi, Todd. It literally means to turn, to reorient oneself, to change one's mind. And that is what John is calling his hearers to do. And he's, get, he's not giving his hearers a way out. Because what they want to do is they want to say, but we are children of Abraham. We are Israelites. Look at who we are. And John's like, that doesn't matter if you are not bearing these fruits of a life that is turned and oriented to God, who God is calling you to be. And so John is telling them, look, I will baptize you with water. I will cleanse you of your sins. I will start you on this path of repentance. But there is one who is coming after me. He is the one that you need to orient your life towards. He's the one you need to point your life towards. And so John offers a scenario that pulls his listeners back towards the image of God that they were created in. And offers a nature of restoration. Offers a nature of restoration. 
right? These people want John to be the savior because they are looking for that nature, that orientation. He's like, no, this guy, he's still, he's coming after me. In fact, he's my cousin. He's still to come, but start the journey. Get on the journey and get on the right track. Point your heart and your spirit towards the one who will come and baptize you with. And so here in Advent, we are invited to do the same. We are invited to repent and, and to hear those words of Scripture. Friends, we know where we're going. I don't think that nature has ever been called into question. But we want to make sure that we're headed down the right path. John recognizes that Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And he's calling his listeners to go down this journey. And in the same way, O come all ye faithful, calls us to the manger. It calls us to encounter Christ. And you have the, you have the words to the hymn there in, there in your bulletin. It's, it's, it's the song that we're going to sing as soon as, we, as soon as I wrap up my sermon in another you know, 30 or 40 minutes. Um, you have the words. Um, but you can see in each of the stanzas in this hymn, as they name for us the nature of Christ we strive towards. That embedded within this song is the basic nature of God in Christ that is present all throughout the history of the church. And so in recognition of whom we journey towards, we continue on in a nature of repentance that calls for deep inward reflection. And invites us to consider with God what a life and relationship with God in Christ looks like. And so in that, we, we're called to name our sins. Not just the ones that we may feel we've done individually. But even the sins of our society, even the sins of our world. The ways in which we have failed to collectively build the kingdom here. To grow the kingdom together. And so we embark to make Christ known through the healing of creation. And so as you're reflecting on this this week and we're continuing to journey through Advent, where is Christ calling us to repent? And then when, when we enter into that repentance and that reconciliation, then what does that mean for who we are called to be in Christ? Amen.